You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on Christ through the ages. Now looking at Hebrews, not just superior, but supreme. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This is Christ through the ages. Lesson number 19, which is from Hebrews. I've entitled it Christ, not just superior, but supreme. I intend to explain and justify that title in just a moment. First, I wanted to register how excited I am. I want you to know how encouraged I've been to have the time to produce this series, Christ Through the Ages. It's, uh, you know, I, I love to read the Bible. I love to read anything that will help me to know God's will. Uh, but having a project like this is very good for me, especially because it's so Christ-centered, so Christ-focused. Look, Hebrews is a, a deep book. Much of the teaching of Hebrews identifies itself as being meaty as opposed to milky. And the writer in Hebrews seems to be saying that too many Christians never get behind milk. It's the milky stage for them, but not meaty. As a young Christian, and I mean in my first few years, I liked Hebrews. I didn't really understand it very much, but there were a lot of verses I thought were cool. And you know, in young Christians or those who maybe haven't been trained much in, in how to read the Bible, it's not surprising. They read looking for good verses. They're memorizing scriptures. They're looking for God to speak to them, things that will strike them. Later on, with more training, we realize that it's not so much the specific verses we should focus on as the thoughts, the ideas that the Holy Spirit is communicating. I really enjoyed a chance I had in graduate school to uh, do a whole semester on Hebrews. And this was a time when I was first able to really read it in the original language. Well, that's many years ago since then. Uh, Not long in the past, I recorded a 10-part series on Hebrews. After teaching it in our local church, I re-recorded everything, made 10 lessons, and then I expanded that even more recently in our uh, Institute of Ministry training. Uh, We had 12 class hours on Hebrews. There's so much there. So what am I going to try to do now? Uh, Educate you? Well, always. Yes, kind of. But this isn't an academic class. But that doesn't mean I don't want you to learn something new, something different. See, up until now, I had always been teaching Hebrews as, well, basically the Spirit showing us that the way of Christ is superior to the old way, that we shouldn't return to Judaism. Apparently, whoever Hebrews is written to are individuals who are attracted by Judaism. And in every chapter, the writer seems to be saying it's better with the new covenant. It's better with Christ. Christ is superior. And, uh, and I think that's, that's true, by the way. You have to understand that to get Hebrews. And I will uh, fill that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll fill that thought out in just a moment. But I'm not going to go back to teaching only that anymore. Because in my study for this podcast, I've become convinced, I've become aware of something different. It's not just that Christ is superior. He's supreme. Superior means above something, someone else. Well, okay, there's the word super in Latin. Super is above. Superior is like even more above, you know, further above, as in Christ is superior to the angels. 
And, but then there's supreme. That's the highest. He is the most above. No one is above him. And that has implications for his, his identity as God. Okay, what about superior? Well, there are a lot of expressions in Hebrews that uh, justify this. For example, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. That's from the prologue to Hebrews. So you see that word appearing, the word superior, or sometimes the word better. And in a way, Hebrews is a series of comparisons so that the uh, recipients of the letter will not go back. You know, there's so many things that want to pull us back to the world uh, or evil influences, even, even want to drag us back to a more comfortable religion. Maybe it's the faith tradition you grew up with. Maybe it's something you've never heard of, but it's intriguing. And always the Spirit will be telling us, don't get taken in. Don't be deluded. Don't be sucked away. We, we can get impressed by angels, for example. So I just read Hebrews 1.4. Even in the New Testament, some people were too impressed with angels. Some people exalted them. We read about that in, in Colossians 2. Well, even John in the book of Revelation is receiving a message from an angel. He falls down. The angel says, get up. I'm just a fellow servant. That's ridiculous. Get up. We can be so impressed. But in Hebrews, we see that the angels fall down to worship Christ. So we're just stopping way too short. We're selling ourselves too short. So in Hebrews, there are a lot of comparisons. For example, in one one, he talks about the prophets. So God in the past spoke to the prophets, but now he's spoken to us in a son. It's a more direct, it's a superior revelation. Uh, we have the angels in chapter one and chapter two. Uh, we have Moses. Uh, we have Joshua. We have uh, the high priest, and the high priest is mentioned in many chapters, uh, starting in, I guess, chapter 3, all the way up to chapter 9 or so. His priesthood is superior to the, the priesthood of the high priest. Uh, so Moses, there's comparison with Joshua. There's the Jewish Sabbath versus our Sabbath. Uh, what else is in there? There's a new covenant, which is better than the old covenant. There's the tabernacle in which Christ serves in heaven, which is superior to the tabernacle on earth, you know, the Jewish tabernacle, later the temple. His sacrifice is superior to, to the sacrifice of animals, and so on. I think you get that idea, superior in every way. And so if it's better, why would you go back? It would be to go backwards. It would be retrograde step to say, yeah, I think I'm going to move on now and, and be impressed with Moses and the prophets. Well, of course, we study them, but we understand them only in the light of Christ. And the Hebrew writer is appealing to them, don't go back. Don't do that. Uh, Jesus is all you need. So superior, that word implies a comparison. With supreme, oh, it's more than a comparison because there's nothing above it. There's nothing better. And I found, as I, I was wondering if, if this idea that Christ is not just superior but supreme, I was wondering if that was just my idea or if it's actually in Hebrews. I, you know, sometimes I can preach or, you know, anyone can preach or teach something that sounds insightful. But if it's not really in the text, it's not fair. And we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't leave people with an impression of insight that's out of context, which makes it an outside because it's out of sight. Right. So is Jesus supreme? And I believe so. In fact, I found seven 
passages that I would like to share with you. And I hope this will be inspiring to you as you listen to this lesson. It'll help you today, starting all the way back in chapter one. So in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Christ is the agent and the medium of the universe. God, God made the universe through, through Christ. Uh, you can see that in Colossians 1. Uh, you can find it back in the Proverbs and so forth. So he's there in the beginning. We also read in 7.18 in Hebrews that Christ remains a priest forever. So I'm thinking about that. What does that mean? Well, he remains a priest forever means he remains forever. And he's there at the beginning because the whole universe is made through him. He's eternal. Now, how does Moses compare to that? Or an angel? Or even Melchizedek? No, Christ is eternal. He's supreme. One, three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, I've read that so many times. What does it mean? He sat at the right hand. Well, in ancient times, that meant that person shared rule with the one sitting in the principal seat, the king. We see the same thing in 12 too. He sits at the right hand of God. So sitting at the right hand means that Christ rules with God. No human can rule with God. Once again, this shows us that Christ is divine. Christ is supreme. 1.6. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and this is a Hebrew writer quoting an Old Testament passage, and he's quoting from Deuteronomy. He says, let all God's angels worship him. Well, what does that tell us? He's worshiped by angels. Jesus is not just some kind of supreme angel, the kind of thing that the Jehovah's Witnesses used to teach. No, he's worshipped by the angels. And that's a very good reason why we shouldn't be too impressed by angels, because angels are completely impressed with Christ. He's the level above angels. That, that, that makes his becoming a human, becoming a flesh, all the more remarkable. But he didn't just come to earth as an angel. Or it wasn't an angel you know, pretending to be a human. This is God himself. This is the incarnation. He's worshipped by the angels. That means he must be on a different level to them, which again shows he is supreme. He's God. Okay, the fourth passage, chapter 1, verse 8. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, your, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Now, that's a quotation from the wedding psalm of Solomon. You know, it's from uh, Psalm 45. But just look at the, the wording, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. But right before that, the Hebrew writer has, but about the Son, he says, putting it together. 
But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Once again, he's God. Jesus is God. He is supreme. He's not just an improved version of Moses or a souped-up Joshua or a mega-high priest or Melchizedek on steroids. Don't be so impressed with the religion of the Old Testament. It's the living and active faith of the New Testament that grabs us because Jesus is supreme. Chapter 2, verse 14. And, and here, the writer is still uh, comparing. It's an extended comparison between Christ and angels. And this is uh, something that the angels don't do. They don't become us. But look at this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Christ, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Okay. It says that Christ shared in our humanity, in our flesh and blood. But what does that mean? Well, contrary to the opinion of some critics and liberal scholars who would say Jesus was just a human who had a, you know, a consciousness far surpassing those of others. You know, he had Christ consciousness or, you know, he was like the Buddha, somehow enlightened. And now in blithely smiling compassion, he, he wants us to be in tune with the universe. That's nothing like what Jesus said. It says he shared in our humanity. He wasn't human. Through the ages, Christ was not human until the incarnation. Then he shares in our humanity. Again, if he wasn't human until then, if he wasn't human and he was an angel, what was he? God, because he's supreme. Two more passages. You know, and I, I skimmed over and over the whole book of Hebrews. You may find more. When I counted what I found, it turned out to be seven, which is a somewhat ominous. But I'm sure someone could find another one. But all the passages I found were at the beginning and the end of this marvelous letter. 1320. This is in the final verses. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. But how is Jesus referred to this way? Our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Well, wait a minute. Who's the great shepherd of the sheep? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Who's the great shepherd? God. And that's why Christ is not just superior. He is supreme because he's the position of the Almighty. And then the last passage is the very next verse. It says, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, to Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. How can that be unless he is supreme. It would be idolatry. It would be idolatry to worship anything but the Most High God. And so you may already know, I know many of you had heard lessons before, 
about the flow of Hebrews, which is an extended comparison, favorably comparing the new covenant to the old covenant, Christ to Moses in a sense. And that's all true. And you must understand that to get Hebrews. But Hebrews goes further. It's more daring. He's not just saying uh, Judaism is outdated or obsolescent and, and soon Christianity will, will be reigning alone or Christ is a better Messiah than you would get under the old system. That's not what he's saying. Although he's certainly saying that. He doesn't stop there. The writer shows us that Christ is supreme. All these illustrations show us that he, in fact, is God. And that's why I can say supreme without any qualification, because no one can be higher than God. I'd like to end up with a few very quick illustrations. In the world of science, let's go back two or 3,000 years. Instruments were basic. It's not that humans weren't intelligent, but what they observed, uh, uh, the, the explanatory power of their theories was really limited. You have a guy like Newton comes along uh, a millennium and a half later or so, and he figures out the law of gravity. The universe looks different now. Uh, this has huge implications for astronomy, for physics, for everything else. Then Einstein comes along uh, uh, some centuries after Newton, you know, about a century ago. Einstein comes along. The universe is understood differently. Now we have uh, quantum effects. Now, Einstein was superior to Newton, there's no doubt. But Einstein wasn't supreme. It's not like he's the creator. So that's the difference between superior and supreme. Okay, some of you are into sports. A baseball player who bats 400 in his career is certainly superior to one who only bats 200. But what about someone who batted 1,000? If you don't follow baseball, that means one who you know, always hits. He always gets a run. He never misses. Amazing. That's what we're talking about here. I, uh, you may tell that I, uh, I, I like numbers a lot. Even as a little boy, I was fascinated with numbers. When I was eight years old, I heard of a jillion. You know, that's just a word kids say. I wish I had a jillion jelly beans. And I, I was really interested in numbers. And I, I, learned, uh, uh, I learned all kinds of numbers that I'd never heard of before, like a sextillion and uh, a vigintillion and duodecillion and all kinds of cool words. But not long after... I learned about infinity. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn that. You see, it's one thing to say, oh, this number is bigger than that number. Or this woman is more gracious than that woman. Or this library is larger than that library. Or this garden has more shrubs than that one. But we're not, it's not a comparison. It's not just one thing being superior. It's being supreme. All other potential comparisons are outclassed. They have no hope of competing. Because Jesus is at the very top. He's not just super or superior. He is absolutely supreme. He's worthy, therefore, of our worship because Jesus is God forever, Christ through the ages. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's series on Christ through the ages. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas' teaching.